Good morning, everybody. Good to see you guys. I could have sworn there was an agreement between God and Bluffton that it would always be cool and drizzy at street fair. Like, like I wear hoodies at street fair. I don't sweat at street fairs, and I struggle with that a little bit this week. Um, so I, I hope you guys were able to check off your list of food that you like at street fair. I, I just want to tell you some things I noticed that I just loved. And like, we, we've got people that are in vendors in here that... that uh, that cook food. And, and what I noticed to my heart's content as I watched people in this congregation, you were in the booths, you were buying stuff from their booths, and you just like, you supported one another. And I was just, my heart was glad. And, and I just want to say, awesome job. I just was so encouraged this week to watch our people interact with each other. Uh, and it didn't help that Kim Yergler gave me a bunch of free food either. So I was really thankful for that too. Uh, so today we're going to begin a, a kind of a series, just one week series in the book of Jude. Jude has been something we've wanted to, be, wanted to do for uh, months now, and we're going to do two weeks in it, but we're going to do just one week in it right now, uh, mostly because it's just one chapter. So we're going to walk through the, this week, and then next week we're going to start our kickoff series, and then it's a series called Connected, and Connected is really about us learning what it means to be a part of the local church. Like, we have all these questions. We know there's a God. God's global church, but what is it, is it, what is it for us, or, or what should we do to be a part of the local church, and how uh, do we put our lives around that? Uh, so we're excited to walk into that. I, I know that there are people, uh, whether you have coworkers or em, employees or uh, friends who have this kind of, or maybe it's even yourself, who can have this kind of idea that, you know, I'm a Christian, but I don't really need to go to church. And look, here's the reality. Yeah, I think there's truth probably that in salvation terms, your salvation is not attached to a church. But for your flourishing and your growth and your maturity, your attachment to God's church is vital. And if you don't have that, we set ourselves up for a real, real struggle down the line. And so we're excited about that series. And so if any of those people kind of come to your mind, let's invite them. Uh, I think that it will be beneficial for, for a lot of people. So today is Jude. Uh, so Jude is the brother of Jesus, all right? And this letter was written somewhere around 60 AD. Now Jude describes himself in the first few sentences as a servant of of the Lord Christ. Now, don't look past that because this is a brother speaking about a brother of his and saying that I'm a servant of my brother. How many of you in this room would be willing to raise your hand and take the mantle of being a servant to your brother? I certainly wouldn't. Maybe your relationship with your brother looked a lot like mine when you were growing up. Uh, I, I just remember really early, I loved the summers off when I was a kid, and in the summer, I would get out of bed, I'd get the grogginess out of my face, and I'd walk into the living room, and my brother was sitting, in, not sitting, he was standing in the living room waiting. I don't know how long he had been waiting for, but he was on the arm of the couch in this position, and he was going to do some crazy WWF move off the turnbuckle as soon as I came out of my room. And he would just clobber me onto the floor like the ultimate warrior. And by, it's, by the way, it's, it's still WWF to me. I don't know what this WWE stuff is. But he'd pat his elbow, come on me, and then some sort of ridiculous wrestling move afterwards, like a, a figure four leg lock or a sharpshooter or then the dreaded like scorpion death lock. Has, does anybody know what a scorpion death lock is? 
Oh, you do? All right. You can perform it on somebody later in the hallways, and you can let them know how fun that is. But my brother and I, we had a contentious relationship growing up. And so the fact that Jude, the brother of Jesus, is saying this about Christ, that I'm a servant, is something to notice. Because look, one of my greatest privileges in my life was to watch my brother eat his words. He would say to me all the time, you will never be bigger or you'll never be stronger than me. And then there was one day in high school where he said, could beat me up at this point. So that, that was great. That was great joy for me. And so don't look past that Jude is saying, I'm surrendering to the authority of my brother to Jesus, because that's a, a big deal. I think that speaks to a lot of, of understanding of that Jesus is probably more than we give him credit for, that even if his brother would surrender to him, that maybe this guy, just maybe he is the son of God. And so the theme of the book of Jude is being distracted, which is something like, honestly, relate to a lot. Uh, I am probably one of the more distracted people that you'll ever meet. I can speak up here and literally know everything that's going on in the room around me because I just notice all of those things. Uh, I just, uh, I struggle with it in multiple arenas. Uh, I was here in last, like in the last two months, uh, I have been in the office to grab a cup of coffee and I set the Keurig machine with its cup in it, a little, little pod, and I put it in there, and I start con a conversation with somebody, I see something shiny or bright, and I push the button, and I totally forget to put my coffee mug under the Keurig machine. <laughs> that is a noise that registers in your brain, like, something's wrong here, Charlie, you need to fix something about this. And so I just struggle with distraction. Uh, it's something, a part of my life, I have to learn how to moderate those distractions in our life. And so Jude is asking us to do the same thing in our relationship with God. Not in a funny way like, hey, I'm on my cell phone, I ran into a pole. But in a way to say that, look, there are things and people who are out there that are saying, thing that's, saying things that seem reasonable and godly, but they're not. There are people who are trying to confuse you and not let you see the true message of Christ. And there are beliefs that can rob you from really understanding God and all of his realities. And so that's kind of the message of what we get out of Jude today. And we're going to walk through that. We're going to start in Jude. Uh, kind of syn it's like the synopsis of Jude is come, comes from Jude 17 verses 17, or Jude 1, 17 through 21. And this is what he says. But you must remember, beloved, the predictions of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. They said to you, in the last time, there will be scoffers following their own godly passions. It is these who cause divisions, worldly people devoid of the Spirit. But you, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the spirit keep yourselves in the love of god waiting for the mercy of our lord jesus christ that leads to eternal life and so let's just unpack this for a moment jude is writing to his audience and the audience that jude is writing to is to those who are called by god to those who are beloved by the father himself and kept for or kept by Jesus Christ. And so this letter is really written to those who profess faith and trust and hope in the name of Jesus Christ, past, 
present, and future. And so these words are for us. And in these verses, what Jude is reminding these people in this time of are the oral traditions that the apostles passed down that there was going to be the end of time at some point, that Jesus was going to come back. And then in those days, and look, I don't know when Jesus is coming back. We're not making any commune anytime soon and, and predicting any dates. We, we just don't have that information, nor should we look forward to those days. But, but there is an end of the days coming. And, and as those days draw closer, Jude says, look, there are going to be people that pop up. And they're going to try to confuse you. They're going to cause dissension. And you've got to be careful. And so what Jude's message is here, and what he's encouraging us to do, is to keep ourselves in the love of God. I love that phrase, to keep yourself in the love of God. And the way that Jude paints a picture of how one keeps themselves in the love of God is this, that you would build yourself up in knowledge, that you would build yourself up in doctrine and theology. And, and doctrine really is, is what we believe to be true about God. And what we know to be true about God is in his word. And so what Jude is saying is, hey, get in your words. Get in the word here and read what God has to say. And then pray, pray without ceasing in the spirit. That's how we build our faith up in these things. That's how we keep ourselves in the love of God. And here's the point that I don't want you guys to miss in this, because I think we push past this all the time, but you get to talk to God. Like, how cool is that? Like, you get to talk to the very God that created all the universe, all the stars, everything that we have and are and know. You get to talk to that guy. That is a gift that we should never underappreciate. It's a gift that's been given to us by our Lord Christ through the Holy Spirit. And so we get to talk to God. That's an amazing gift. And so keep ourselves in the love of God. And how we do that is to gain knowledge through sound doctrine, listen to the Word, and then listen to the Spirit, make things sure that those things are agreeing with each other, and then pray without ceasing. Those are the basic ingredients of growth in our faith. Uh, I think sometimes we like to complicate this thing called Christianity. Uh, but I have a dear friend, our brother here, Jason Windsor. I love some of the things he said. He said, it really isn't that complicated, guys. It's pretty simple. This whole Christianity thing, it's not that complicated. In fact, it's pretty simple. To grow in our faith, we pray and we read. That's how we do it. But sometimes because we get so distracted, we try to put things in our life that we think will cause growth in our life that, that are good things, but that's not their purpose. And, and some of those things that I'm kind of talking about are um, like uh, finding a better sermon somewhere or attending more small groups or going to more worship concerts or on more mission trips or, or whatever. Those things are good things, but if they're devoid of you really gaining knowledge in the truth of God and you praising and praying to God on constant, in constant communication, then those things will never do for you what you want them to do for you. They will not provide for you a sustaining and long-lasting faith. And you know why that is? 
It's because they are often grounded in an emotional world that creates these emotional highs that makes us react and, and we all feel all good for one moment and then we're like, where did God go in all of this? Those things devoid of growing in knowledge and praying do not create the kind of growth that we're looking for. Uh, I was a campus life director for over a decade and I... Uh, uh, I would see these kind of emotional-driven decisions on quite a few occasions. And, and here's some basic Youth Ministry 101 for you. Uh, if you have a somewhat decent band, you give kids free pizza, you have some sort of above-average speaker, and you give kids the reign of a camp or a hotel, you are going to create an environment for lots of kids to want to be there, okay? And in doing that, uh, what can happen is when those emotions get high, kids make these emotional decisions uh, that, uh, that can be godly, but they're misdirected. I, I can count a few times where, and it's all, it was mostly always girls, uh, they, one of them would, would have a profound hurt in their life, and it was decision time, and the music was playing, and, and they would stand up, and they're crying, and then Sally, because she wanted to support her friend, would get up and hug her, and then it was three, and then it was six, and then they grabbed hands, and they walked to the stage together. And I would always go to them and say, hey, tell me about the decision that you made. And it was always kind of like, well, she was hurting, and we came together, and we just wanted to do this thing together. And look, I, I thought, that's awesome. But what would happen a lot of the time is, is those kids would leave and they would go home and as the winds and the waves of life came they started to fall away and that faith began to go away and that was because it was emotional and look there were many authentic emotional decisions there but it was devoid of them ever reading the word consistently praying without ceasing and being a part of the local church those are the basic ingredients of growth in our lives. Those are the main entrees. That's the main entree. That's the John Hirely wings in this deal. Everything else is just a condiment or gravy on top of it. Don't misplace the side dishes for the main entree. Keep the main entree the main entree. Grow in knowledge of the Lord and pray without ceasing. One of the things in my life that I have found that has produced a, a, a lot of growth in my life and, and a lot of healthy habits in my life are, are times when the Lord has made me uncomfortable with where I am at. Uh, uncomfortable is the opposite of uncomfortable. And you're like, thanks, Pastor. I passed the second grade, right? To be uncomfortable means that there's some sort of tension in your life. And I'm telling you, God leverages uncomfortability for his good and forces us into some healthy patterns to lean on his strength. And I'll just tell you about a time in my life. I went to the Ball State University. Chirp, chirp. Anybody? Chirp, chirp. Okay. Chirp, chirp out there. Okay. I was pumped to go to Ball State. Okay. Just super pumped, uh, getting away from home. And I got, my parents did the drop-off thing and I... I I, I didn't cry, okay? I, did not, I didn't cry. My parents did. I was pumped, and I thought, this is awesome. I'm going, I'm going to do this and this, and then it hit me. I know nobody. I literally know nobody here at this school, and in that moment, this uncomfortability grew within me, and what that produced within me 
was this leaning on the Lord, what created, and it created this habit where I just began to read the word every single night, pray every single night, and I just flew through scripture. And in that uncomfortability, God grew me, and I flourished in life. Uncomfortability is leveraged by the Lord all the time. Uh, we had a group at Street Fair this past week, our prayer team. They went out to, to pray over people at Street Fair. And I'm telling you, a lot of these people would say, that wasn't comfortable for me. I did not want to do this. This is a picture of our prayer team. And they, they you know, obviously what they're there for is apparent on their shirts. Uh, and so they just, they got out of their comfort zones and leaned on the Lord's strength. And I'm telling you, you talk to those people who did that and they will tell you about how good the Lord was to them. You know, we, we have an awesome prayer team. I'm going to put this guy up here. That's a, a beautiful face of Zach Bedwell. Zach, uh, he leads our prayer team. And look, if you're interested in getting involved, we have a vibrant prayer team. We're excited uh, that uh, we have that ministry here. We are uh, believers in the power of prayer. And so if you're looking to get involved, uh, there's the person to talk to. Okay. And so Jude says, build yourself up and pray. And this is how we keep ourselves in the love of God. And he says that because if we, he knows that if we aren't doing that, we can easily be distracted by things that seem like the Lord might be good for them or seem to be reasonable, but they're not. We always have to check those things with the truth and the realities of God. Uh, my old football coach had a saying, maybe you had a coach that had this saying too, that you, you're either getting better or you're getting worse. You're never staying the same. And that is certainly true and foundational in our walk with Christ. We are either growing in faith and pursuing after him or we're getting worse. And if we're not pursuing, it is easy for us to be distracted by glitz and glamours that looks like what the gospel would be for and looks reasonable, but they're not. And look, let's just be honest. As a people, like we are really good about being distracted. We're really good with losing our perspective on things, and it's mostly because we have this broken body of flesh attached to us that kind of causes and wreaks some havoc in our lives. And look, I know this to be true mostly because of the enormous amounts of infomercials that I see on TV all the time. Like, have you ever watched an infomercial that is just completely outrageous, and you didn't want to watch it but you couldn't stop watching it at the same time. You know what I'm talking about. Like you can be in the room and, and you could say, this is completely ridiculous, but you don't turn it off. And all of a sudden you're saying, I think I could actually use that thing. <laughs> it's unbelievable. You, you watch, I, cooking a pizza is not that hard. What, what are we talking about? But what? that's so clever. You set it and forget it. Unbelievable. And before you know it, you've bought two Chef Tony speed slicers. And so we as a people, we're just distracted. We lose focus. We always need to make sure that we're checking things with the truth of God. Always have to check things with the truth of God. And so for us as a Christian, because so many things seem harmless and they look well, we have to keep ourselves in the love of God. And, 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 and Jude is imploring us to grow substantially in our faith because he knows there are so many false narratives and so many false teachings that will come our way from those who will proclaim the name of Christ. Uh, he's reminding us that, look, there are things that people are going to say. 
and it's not okay. And in and, and this time when Jude is writing this letter, the thing that is flaring up amongst the church is this belief that when you have Christ, you're good. And you can continue to sin all you want, and grace is going to be there. That's, this, this is rising up in this church. This is what Jude is talking about. And he's saying, look, God's not going to stand for that. Right? Those people, they're going to meet an end that's not going to be good for them. So here's the reality. There will never be a perfect church this side of heaven. There's just never going to be a perfect church this side of heaven. You won't find it. The Lord is clear that the wheat and the weeds grow together. Warren Wormsby writes it this way. I like it. He says, Satan is the counterfeiter. He has a false gospel preached by false ministers producing false Christians. Satan plants his counterfeits wherever God plants true believers. And that quote really should cause us to raise some eyebrows that there are people who are trying to confuse us and deceive us in these things that are going to try to distract us. And so, uh, uh, look, I'm not going to stand up here and give you a list of people that I think are false teachers. That would be ridiculous, okay? That's not appropriate. What I am going to talk to you about are seven traits that we can find in, in, in counterfeit things, in falsehoods, uh, people who are confusing the message of Christ. Uh, I, I take these things from a place called the Gospel Coalition. I read a lot of stuff from the Gospel Coalition, a good place for you to be. Uh, and so these are seven traits of, of counterfeit beliefs, uh, false teachers, uh, and they're going to be pulled mostly out of Second Peter. Okay, so here they are. Uh, number one, different source. Where does the message come from? This is the things that we have to pay attention. Different source. Where does the message come from? In, in, in 2 Peter, it says, We did not follow cleverly invented stories when he, we told you about the power of the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. They're saying, look, we didn't, these aren't fabricated. This is true. This is the gospel. And the false teacher would exploit you with stories that they have made up. So the true teacher relies on the Bible. The false teacher relies on his own creativity to make up his own message. And, and that's not to say that we can't take the text and be creative and we bring application to those things. But if the message isn't rooted in the gospel, there's some serious questions that we need to ask. The second thing to look for is, is a different message. What is the substance of the message. Uh, so for a, a true teacher, Jesus Christ is the centrality to everything that you're going to talk about. Jesus is in everything. He's in growth. But to the false teacher, the false teacher, it, cent it centers on uh, 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 Jesus being in the margin. Like, hey, somebody else can help you through this. Or, or this guy is important and, and he, can, he can, but if Jesus isn't the center of that message, we got to be kind of asking some questions in that thing. Uh, number three is different position. In what position will the message have you? So here's the reality. As a Christian, we are all escaping the corruption of our fleshly sin. We're all escaping the corruption of our fleshly desires. In, for, in 2 Peter, uh, Peter describes counterfeit Christians like this. He, say, he says, they promise freedom why they, give them, why, they, why they themselves are slaves of depravity, and depravity means brokenness. For a man is a slave to whatever has mastered him. A, a true believer is somebody that you will see walking 
towards the Lord and growing in faith. Somebody whose counterfeit is mastered, mastered by corruption. Number four is, is different character. What kind of people does the message create? So what do what true believers pursue? We pursue the fruits of the Spirit, right? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. I think I got them all in there. Those who are counterfeit in this, they lean towards arrogance and slander. They're experts in greed. They despise authority. Those are general characteristics that we have to look for when we're, we're talking to people. Uh, five is a different appeal. Why should you listen to this message? Why should you listen to this message? If, if they're not appealing to, like, look, at the end of the day, this is what the Lord has said. Like, this is what he has said, and we've got to deal with it. And if they're not appealing to that truth in the scripture, and they're saying other things, like, well, it's, I believe that because uh, Jim Bob Jolly said it this way, uh, you have to ask some questions in there. Uh, so true teachers always appeal to scriptures. False teachers always appeal to what people want to hear and their desires. And number six is different fruit. Like, what result does the message have in people's lives? True believers continue to walk and move forward in growth because they're growing in his or her knowledge of the Lord. The counterfeit teacher and believer uh, is this. This is what the, the word would say about it. That they are like a spring without water. That they promise much but produce little. That maybe they don't walk the talk. Are they people that do as they say or say as they do? And, and the last thing that we see is a different end. Where does the message ultimately leave you? Uh, and here's where probably the most stark contrast in all of this is. Because for the true believer, they will see, receive a, a gift uh, of a welcoming by grace in the kingdom of God. But for the false counterfeit believer, they will experience swift destruction. That's what our word says. And, and this is something that always is in front of me. That Jesus says that there are many people who will profess the name of Christ. And on the day of judgment, he will say, depart from me. I never knew you. That is always in front of me to make sure that we're living authentically to the gospel and the hope of Christ. So we must not be ignorant to the understanding that there are false teachers out there. I've never, I've never since since I've been here at this church, that there's ever been that amongst the church. But they're out there. And we have to know that there, there are going to be people that come into this church that could be the nicest people in the world. And, and they're going to sow some destruction and confusion. And we have to keep our eyes out for these things. Not that we're, please don't take the posture of this false teacher over there. You false teacher over there. Listen to things, reflect on things, judge things by the word, and call them out for what they are. And so lastly, just remind ourselves this. Uh, don't take your eyes off the message of the gospel. It will do you well in navigating all things. 
The gospel is what we hope in. That we would remember that we are all sinners, all sinners, broken, and we deserve the wrath of God. But God, out of his great love for us, poured all the wrath that he had against mankind onto his son, crushing him, that Jesus Christ died and he was risen again into new life. And for all of us who believe and trust by faith in the Son of God, we are given the gift of a restored relationship with our Father and eternal life with Jesus Christ in his kingdom. Don't take your eyes off that message. Don't be distracted by anything else. And keep yourselves in the love of God, constantly pursuing, gaining knowledge, and praying without ceasing. So with that said, um, you know, just to apologize to those who are kind of new in this room, if you're new here today, I think that there's kind of an elephant in the room that I just kind of want to address real quickly, and then we're going to move on. Uh, last Sunday wasn't fun, right? And I, I could tell you that. And um, look, we were, we were trying to do the best that we could do with what we believed that we could share. And unfortunately, it frustrated people. And uh, look, we're sorry. Uh, we asked for your grace. We were trying to do the right thing. There's no protocol in how you do these things. And so we ask for your forgiveness. I know lots of people have questions still. And I want to deal with that idea in a second. But know this, like, we're moving forward. Like, we're moving forward. There have been many great chapters in the life of Life Community Church. And those chapters are to be celebrated. Today, we begin writing a new chapter. And that chapter and what is contained in it will be up to you. Because this church isn't about me. It's about you and the God that pursued you and the God that saved you. And you using the gifts that he gave you while we're equipping you to use those gifts to pursue after others as we draw closer to one another. That's church. And we are expecting even greater things in our future as we follow God's lead. And so look, if you have questions, know this. We have more details that we would be willing to talk to you about. We're not going to do that here. If you know, you know this, our elders are making themselves available this week. If you want to find a time to meet with them one-on-one -on -one and talk about the scenario, they're there for you. But we're moving forward in this. I just want to thank you from the bottom of my heart. Uh, you guys have lifted me up and prayed for this church and this family. You have text after text after text, after emails, after phone calls, after stopping me, after gifts. You have cared for me and my family and this church in ways that are profound. I am grateful for this body. And it is an honor and a privilege to be a part of this. We have much, much to hope in, and we're excited about the future. So the band's going to come out, and we're going to unite our voices one more time. Praises to our King. Praises to our God. And we're going to walk out of here expecting the best as God leads. Let's pray.
Father, we just come before you today and we lift up uh, our concerns and our hearts to you, Father. Uh, we praise you as a God who restores and takes things that, that, that are complicated and tough. And Lord, you use them for our good. And so we praise you as a restorating God. Uh, and God, just bring unity and love and compassion to this body. God, guide our future. Don't let us ever get distracted, ever get distracted with you and your message, the hope of Christ. And we pray all of this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.